Good afternoon. We're back with another episode of the Sean Mo Hoops podcast. Pleased to have Stephen Kaleo back on. Uh, Stephen writes for Def Pen and is also part of the NBA to Lou uh, committee. So Stephen's uh, joining the podcast. It's been probably well, well over a year since he, he last came on, but uh, one of the more knowledgeable basketball fans that I know. So excited to get some of Steven's thoughts today about the year, college basketball in general, uh, as well as Louisville's shot at getting an NBA franchise. Steve, how are you doing today? Great. Uh, Sean, it's a pleasure to be uh, back on the pod and uh, look forward to talking to a little bit of hoops today. Yes, it's, uh, it's been a while. So, you know, we, we haven't, we haven't uh, chatted as much as we normally do during the college hoop season. So, you know, first question for you is, you know, I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts on, on obviously this has been a very tumultuous season for a lot of, a lot of teams, uh, a lot of games cut short. Uh, you know, a lot of talent is, is gone into the NBA and, and G League, but still a season going on. And I'm curious to get some of your initial thoughts on, on how it's been so far. Yeah, I think the the season has been obviously a strange one with uh, with obviously with the pandemic and the multitude of COVID pauses that we've seen from many teams. So it, it's just it's been a weird year. You, you uh, I think that everyone who's a college basketball fan it, who's following their team is probably wondering if their team is even going to play a game the night they're scheduled because you you're never really sure with this pandemic. Um, as a uh, as a Louisville Cardinal fan, um, I, I, we were supposed to play Syracuse two weeks ago, and um, had a COVID pause, so they were actually in Syracuse and had to fly back, had to fly back due to COVID. And then last night they were especially supposed to play Syracuse again. Uh, it was going to be their first game off of a pause, and also ran into a, uh, a COVID outbreak issue again. So. Um, you know, it's just, it's a strange year. Um, and also too, um, seeing the blue blood struggle has been, um, interesting enough. It's been, it, it's been interesting because you've got Kentucky, Duke, UNC, Michigan state, all, all, uh, taking a back seat to, to, you know, programs that are, that have, that are traditionally pretty good, but not not in the blue blood category, such as the Gonzagas and Baylors who have been, who have seemed to have uh, separate the, separated themselves from the pack this year as the best teams in uh, college basketball. Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of uh, Gonzaga undefeated, they only have two regular season games left and then they'll have the West Coast Conference Tournament and then probably, probably a little bit of a, um, a break before the NCAA Tournament. And you know, they, they were playing a very strong schedule early on with West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Kansas, um, Auburn before they got Sharif Cooper, et cetera. And for the most part, just absolutely dominating teams. Uh, for the most part, they've been running through the West Coast Conference. I think uh, their game the other week against BYU was really the closest, and that was coming off of a 18-point win against Pacific, where they're actually trailing in the second half. Um you know, Gonzaga 2017, they made the championship, uh, fell just a little short. I'm curious, do you think that this could be this could be their year? I think that this, if there's ever a year for it to happen, this is it. Um, 
you know, without the blue, with a lot of the blue bloods gone, I think with a lot of uh, uh, other conferences just being below average, I think that with Gonzaga, they're they're a cut above the rest. I, I think this is the year for them if they're going to do it. Um, not to say that they couldn't win it in in future years, but um, I just feel like the stars are aligned for them. I mean, they like you just said, they've been dominating teams. Uh, they had the game with BYU. I think they were actually down at the half during one game against uh, San Francisco, maybe. But other than that, that's that's really been it for them. So I, I, I mean, it's, it's as good as years ever. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have the talent. I think my my concern for them is is what happens in a one-game series if Corey Kispert has an off game or he gets you know negated a little bit offensively. Uh, and once again, they have Jalen Suggs, who's one of the top freshmen, one of the top players in the country, and Drew Timmy, uh, who's turned himself into one of the top players uh, after coming off the bench last year as a, as a freshman. But you look at their team, and Kispert is shooting a crazy 48% from three and then you have Suggs at 36%, but everybody else for the most part, they can hit shots, but from the three point line, you know, they're not that dangerous outside of uh, Kispert. So I feel like if, if a team is able to slow him down, uh, you know, they've also had a few struggles at the line in some of their recent games. So I feel like if a team can slow him down, which is easier said than done, but I feel that that's how they could go out either early or, you know, if they, they were to make it in the final four. But once again, they're a very, you know, from a starting per, starting lineup perspective, have a lot of talent. Uh, their their bench has, has not really performed as well as they had earlier in the year, but it does have some, some talent that they are playing with. So I think it'll be, you know, I really wish the Gonzaga-Baylor game had happened earlier in the year, but maybe we'll get that, get that one later. Uh, but in terms of Gonzaga, I want to jump the kind of two conferences that you've been been focused on a lot during the year. Uh, you mentioned, you know, being a Louisville graduate that you, you follow them religiously. But from an ACC and Big Ten perspective, curious your thoughts on on those two conferences and some of the teams that you've enjoyed watching. Or on the on the flip side, uh, maybe some ones that have have struggled or not met your expectations. Yeah, um, it's interesting this year with the ACC and Big Ten. Um, I think we're, I think you and I are accustomed to seeing the ACC being as the more exciting conference when it comes to style of play, star power, uh, et cetera. And y- you don't really see that this year with the ACC. Uh, I think the star power is, is lacking overall. Uh, not to say that there aren't some great players, but, um, you know, from Louisville, you're seeing um, Carly Jones, who's the transfer from Radford, really have a standout year. Uh, he's a, He's a Naismith uh, top 25 guy. You've got um, Florida State led by MJ Walker. Uh, and then they've also got super freshman Scotty Barnes, who's been who's been solid. But uh, And then Virginia's got Jay Huff, who's been playing great, and Kia Clark. Uh, Clemson with, uh, with Amir Sims. But, you know, those aren't big names. <laughs> And they aren't they aren't they aren't the big names that we're accustomed to from the years past. And uh, you know, Louisville's style of play has changed since uh, Chris Mackis came on board with you know running with a bit more of a pack line type defense. You've got Virginia's just uh, you know uh, 
pack line, pack line D, and they're just kind of, you know, non-existent offense in general. And then you've got um, Florida State that's got – that's just what they normally are, just an overly athletic team, uber-talented. But, um, you know, I, they might be the most exciting team in the ACC, which is um, pretty crazy to say. Yeah, right now they're they're eight and two. Just had one of their uh, better games of the year against Virginia, where they just dominated UVA at home. And this is coming after a home game. Uh, you know, they had almost a two week break and uh, actually needed overtime to beat Wake Forest, who, you know, is at the bottom of of the ACC and one of the teams that back in you know really the early two thousands was a was a pretty strong team and now they're they're one of the teams that just hasn't been relevant really for for 10 years um but you mentioned you mentioned florida state and you know they're pretty interesting just given how athletic you know their size strength shooting ability that they really have a lot so when it comes you know to point guard play you know the fact that they they don't have you know a quote-unquote true point guard doesn't really doesn't really matter i think raekwon gray is probably one of the toughest matchups in in college hoops, just given his his size. His size, he's six eight two sixty, but he's often playing the point forward position, um, and he can switch out on defense and he can take advantage of mismatches on offense. So I think you know he's he's been really fun to watch. And then you have MJ Walker who's shooting forty eight percent from three, and then you know I think when you're when you talk about a lot of teams are relying on freshmen. And here's Florida State. They have a top 10 guy come in, Scotty Barnes. And for the most part, he's been coming off the bench, providing energy, defense. So he's been able to really fit into the team instead of being the go-to guy. And I think for this year, outside of Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs, most of the freshmen have proven that, you know, maybe they're, they weren't ready from day one to, to come in and, and carry such a, such a high load, which I think is, is going to what you were talking about of really some of the the lack of talent or lack of uh, strength in the in the ACC but you know we brought up brought up the Big 10 normally you equate Big 10 with slow plotting basketball that is you know <laughs> if if you're breaking 50 you're going to win and from a talent perspective you might have a Michigan State etc but once again a Big 10 team hasn't won the title as Michigan State did early, very early on uh, in in the 2000s. So you look at the Big Ten, and I think the the key difference was just who they, you know, who they returned. You had Luka Garza, the Player of the Year last year. You know, for the most part, they they lost outside of Garza, really everybody on their first team, and second team they had Ao uh, from Illinois, and they lost really everybody on the second team, but. You look at their all freshman team, they had Kofi Cockburn, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, CJ Frederick, Franz Wagner, and Rocket Watts. They were, you know, all five of those guys are, are playing this year and playing big roles versus you look at the ACC and they lost everybody from their top two teams except for Garrison Brooks, who has not really lived up to the billing. Um, you mentioned Key Clark and Amir Sims, but then when you look at the freshmen, they had, um, I'll just kind of go down go down the, the the freshman list here, but they had Vernon Carey. Uh, he's basically playing in the G League right now after getting drafted. Landers Noli transferred to Memphis, Cole Anthony, NBA, Patrick Williams, 
NBA. So that's, you know, the bottom kind of fell off with, with a lot of the freshmen trying to make that freshman to sophomore, sophomore elite. But curious about, you know, what you've seen when you've been watching some of those, uh, those Big Ten games. Yeah, the Big Ten's been fun to watch, <laughs> um, which has been, uh, which is something I never something thought I would never ever say. Before, sure. Yeah. Um, one of the teams that I've, I've watched quite a bit this year has been Iowa, um, mainly because, uh, you know, offensively, they are so talented with, with Garza. Uh, they have everyone on their team can pretty much hit a three-pointer. So their their style of play has been been fun to watch uh, overall. Now they can't play any defense, so um, you can pretty much bet uh, when you're actually gambling with Iowa. You can probably bet every over for most games. <laughs> uh, but they've been kind of a joy to watch, and also to see the resurgence of Illinois uh, has been pretty cool too. Um, I know Illinois has got. Uh, two freshmen, uh, Adam Miller and uh, uh, Andre Curbelo, that have that have stepped it up. But uh, but uh, Ao's been been the man for them. And you know, I feel like I feel like Illinois basketball has not been relevant since 2005. <laughs> and you know, it's so to see them kind of come up and uh, be a strong team is has been has been pretty it's been pretty cool. Um, I think that with Michigan, it's it's been good to see that John Howard is more than just a recruiter. It seems like he's actually he's actually coaching. He's making um, you know good adjustments. He's showing his his coaching chops overall, and the team's been strong. Um, I think that Hunter Dickinson's been quite the surprise. He has, I mean, it's he's obviously the freshman of the year uh, in the Big Ten in my eyes. But yeah, I mean. He would he would probably be the player of the year in a lot of other conferences, frankly, uh, with how well he's played. So the Big Ten has been surprisingly fun to watch, um, and then Ohio State's been on a nice uh, on a nice streak. And just you know, as you mentioned or made a made reference to earlier, Michigan State just really is not there this year. Um, also. Wisconsin, uh, they are a super old team. I uh, witnessed them absolutely demolish Louisville early in the season by by thirty plus. Um, I I know there's a stat. There was a, a a stat that I saw that Illinois. I'm sorry, Wisconsin's starting lineup is older than the Chicago Bulls starting lineup uh, <laughs> due to having either all seniors and mo- and a lot of them are fifty year guys. So that is in absolute insanity to me. And but. That it's that that's got to help in such a year like this, where COVID has taken, um, where COVID's wreaked havoc. You know, having that continuity from some some older players has probably helped Wisconsin quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the Big Ten, for the you're not used to seeing a lot of the Big Ten teams rank so highly in in offensive efficiency, but you can you know really you know Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State. Iowa all in the top 10. Um, I had to do a double take when I saw Ohio State. Uh, they're ranked number four. I mean, usually you would equate equate their style of play with defense, which they do play well. Uh, they play at a definitely a much slower, slower tempo. Uh, but once again, you know, they've been they've been shooting the ball well. And I think that's 
when you look at the Big Ten, you talk about the top five or six teams, and outside of Purdue, who's a really talented team, well-coached, everybody can shoot. Uh, you mentioned Illinois. You know, you said they haven't really been relevant, which is which is true. And I think for them, they, they really got a you know two big wins when both Ao and uh, Kofi Cockburn decided to come come back to school because they could have easily easily tested. Uh, most likely would have been playing in the G League right now, but they came back and have definitely helped Illinois, especially when you add some of the talented freshmen you mentioned, as well as Trent Frazier. And now you have a pretty, uh, a pretty complete team. And then when it comes to Michigan, I'd say I, I definitely enjoy watching watching Iowa play. Um, although they definitely struggled at Indiana, which was surprising. Uh, it seemed like a, there was a lid on the basket after a strong start uh, a few weeks ago. But yeah, Michigan is very just stylistically pleasing to watch. Uh, you know, they they were able to get a transfer in from. Uh, Columbia in terms of Mike Smith and usually you mentioned Carly Carly Jones and usually you know it's a it's a big adjustment going from kind of a low level division one to to high major um, or high division one and he he's made the transition and then you have Franz Wagner who has been a great stretch four and um, Isaiah Livers in terms of his shooting ability but you brought up Hunter Dickinson and I don't think you know coming out of DeMatha you knew he was good but you know, did you think he was going to make such an impact? You know, def- definitely not. But I think in terms of Michigan, their style of play, they play the four out, one in. And for the most part, Hunter comes in as a freshman. And when he gets the ball in the post, I mean, he's got basically a one-on-one five feet for the basket. So he has, you know, really great position. And he's been rebounding the ball well, shooting a high percentage. And he came into a, a perfect spot at a perfect time. Uh, you know, I think it would have been, very interesting to watch Isaiah Todd on this team um, and just to see how he would have done. I know he's playing with the G League Ignite team uh, right now. And, you know, I think he's, he's he's been up and down, had a good third game. Uh, but he's a guy that I think could have done well in the, the four out system. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, looks like an NBA all-star in warmups. And then usually in the, you know, when the game starts, it's it's not all there as he's still trying to progress things, but I think, you know, it would have been fun to watch, watch him play with Michigan, but yeah, you you look at these teams, they can shoot the ball. They're good offensively. And then when you go to the ACC, it's really kind of a a different story. So I'm curious now that Louisville, you know, they've been in the ACC for a handful of years, the the Rick Pitino years, and then kind of the post uh, post Pitino years, but you know, how has it been kind of, I know there's been a few conferences, but as a, from a Louisville perspective, do you wish you were in the old Big East, or you know, are you enjoying the ACC? What are, What are your thoughts on kind of the the conference dynamics? Yeah, I I love that we're in the ACC. Um, there is there is always going to be a a part of Louisville fans that you know that love the Big East because it was the first true big conference we were really invited to be in uh, in our conference odyssey of starting from the metro conference to conference usa to the aac for a pit stop uh i'm sorry for uh, yeah to big east to the aac to the acc but um you know i i think the louisville fans miss 
probably going up to New York, going to the Big East tournament. Um, you know, Rick Pitino had that New York flair, so he kind of helped. Uh, he kind of meshed well with the Big East. Um, he he actually said something that always stuck out with me as one of the big differences between the ACC and the Big East was that um, when you play a lot of these Big East schools, you play in a lot of these NBA large arenas or these like kind of downtown type of uh, landscapes. And it doesn't actually lend a massive home court advantage to a lot of those schools in the Big East. But when you play in the ACC, you're, you're generally playing in a smaller arena, something that's on campus, more generally more fan support. And it makes it actually a little bit tougher on the road. So I think that's something that I think the team has, um, I think that the program has had to adjust to. And I, and I thought that was a really good point and something that's always stuck out to me. Um, I think from a travel perspective for fans, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to go to some of these ACC places, I think. Uh, it's definitely more fun to go to Chapel Hill than it is to go to a game in Seton Hall <laughs> or, or, somewhere, or somewhere else like that. So uh, it's definitely it's, it's a better fit in that sense for us. And uh, I, I think in basketball, Louisville has fit in pretty well. Uh, I, I didn't think that was ever going to be an issue. Uh, I believe that the only school, uh, the three schools that have winning records against Louisville are the schools that two of them you would definitely su- would have suspected, which are Duke and UNC, uh, since Louisville's came on board. Uh, Virginia has just destroyed Louisville, and that's not something that any Louisville fan has ever, would have ever imagined. And frankly, uh, Louisville hates Virginia now as <laughs> as a as a fan base. Like they, I, I, I would never have predicted that. Uh, with Louisville going into the ACC, but they they definitely hate Virginia. It's just the style of play. Uh, we've only beaten Virginia twice since we've been in the ACC. One of them was on a um, last second jumper by Mango Mathiang, <laughs> uh, which was pretty much a fluke. We've had some of our our most demoralizing losses to Virginia. So, and the the Duke and UNC. Um, Rival, or I would say, matchups have been pretty even with between the between those schools. So, um, you know, the only <laughs> the the main school we've we've stayed dominating through every single conference we've been in, and randomly we've been in the same conference with them for multiple years is Virginia Tech. I think Louisville has a twenty four game win streak against Virginia Tech, dating all the way back to the Metro Conference. So I'm glad that's still alive. But um, <laughs> we've um, We've taken some lumps, but I think we fit in pretty well. Well, there, there's the fun fact for the day, which I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize uh, Louisville's dominance. And and this year, you actually have Virginia Tech, who's been doing very surprisingly doing very well in the ACC. Uh, but you know, when you when you look at kind of the Big East migration, I'd say Louisville has been the most consistent. Um, you know, you've had teams like Miami. Um, you know, they, they had their kind of run through the ACC a while back, but for the most part, they've been a little down and out. You know, you have Pittsburgh, who's been uh, pretty much horrendous uh, the last last few years. And then, you know, BC hasn't been good since the Al Skinner, Skinner days when they first came in the conference. And Syracuse, uh, you know, they had their run to their the final four, but for the most part, they have not really ever challenged the upper echelon. Um, 
from a from a ACC conference perspective, and and then you go, you know, you have you have the, your old ACC mainstays with Georgia Tech and Wake Forest, who, as I mentioned with Wake, haven't been relevant in ten years, and you add up all those teams, and you got a lot of non-competitive teams in the league. Uh, you mentioned UVA, and they've been for the most part just dominating the, the ACC regular season with with Tony Bennett, uh, who really has changed, you know. Change, change the culture, change the team, and turn UVA into a powerhouse each year. Um, I think, which is a, a reflection of Bennett's uh, Bennett's coaching more than them as a program. But um, you know, when you when you look at the Big East teams, Louisville's been kind of the one consistent. But I think from a from a strength perspective, you're always hoping that a Syracuse or some of these other teams would kind of take take what they brought from the big East and bring it, bring it to the ACC rather than just some of the North Carolina Dukes. And now UVA is continuing to, to dominate, but, you know, per, perhaps with some of these new coaching changes, they can, they can get, get back in the fold. Um, staying on the ACC Duke, they've been, been struggling mightily for the season. They have won two in a row now, but uh, kind of the big news this week was freshman Jalen Johnson announcing that he was, uh, leaving the team to prepare for the NBA draft. So I'm, I was curious, kind of your thoughts on Jalen as as well as the whole situation. Yeah, I uh, I had mixed feelings on the situation. Um, you know, on one hand, it, you know, it, did he quit on his team, or is he just trying to preserve himself for for the draft? Um, it's it's. Uh, I'm conflicted on how to feel on this, but my gut is that I I think that he made the right decision to go ahead and kind of hang it up because he does need to preserve himself. From, uh, he needs to, you know, kind of protect himself from injury and preserve a, a draft status. Um, you know, obviously, if the team was playing better, would this be an option? He was obviously going to, if they were actually good this year, he'd obviously be playing. But I think that, you know, he's he's just trying to protect himself. But um, so, you know, I, I don't fault the guy. I mean, he doesn't he's not getting necessarily paid for this. But then again, you know, he also knew what he was getting into by playing college basketball. He didn't have to play college basketball. He could have played in the G League. He could have played professionally overseas. I mean, there's there's other routes, you know, so. Um, it, it definitely, definitely a tough one. Um, and, and also too, uh, it, with his background in particular, I believe that he's been to multiple high schools as well. So he's kind of a guy that's, you know, okay with change. And I believe that he left from IMG Academy, which is probably the most player friendly high school you could possibly have. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, he- I think him ending up at Duke, I mean, this was kind of a done deal. It's what it seemed like very early on in his high school process. I remember watching him after his freshman year, uh, back when he was playing on the Adidas 15 and under Adidas AAU circuit. And even at that point, you know, Duke seemed like the clear, clear leader. And I, I was surprised last year, especially when you had Jalen Green and Kuminga announcing for the G League Ignite team. I was kind of surprised uh, Johnson didn't, didn't follow through, uh, especially given as what you mentioned, you know, IMG didn't really, I don't think ever suit up for them and kind of bounced around, bounced around high schools. And, 
you know, he, he definitely had his moments at Duke in terms of when he came back from the injury, the, the pick game, um, but even, you know, some of the, the first two games of, of making, making his mark. And I think for him, you know, part of it was, you know, in terms of probably playing a position defensively that wasn't, wasn't suited. And then, you know, kind of uh, the, the last game only playing eight minutes against uh, NC State was probably the, the final nail in the coffin in terms of that, that relationship. I mean, you know, you can't really, once again, like what, what can you do about him? He's, he's going to try to prepare to get, you know, get paid millions and millions of dollars. Uh, I think last year when Cole Anthony was hurt, it was kind of a similar refrain of like, well, what does he have to come to come back to? They're not making the tournament and he can just, you know, start prepping for the draft. But I think it also goes to just a larger issue of kind of the decline of college basketball in general. Now that there is, you know, the G League has been has been growing from a competition and strength perspective. Um, you know, now with the, the high school kids going there, uh, you also have a lot of players leaving early that will either get drafted or maybe a two-way contract to, to play in the G League. And I think it just, you know, once again, I think teams will have to be careful with which one-and-done freshmen they take. You know, Scotty Barnes is kind of a, a perfect ex- example of if you can fit him into the team. Or if you are able to get a Cade Cunningham, a Zion, Jason Tatum, kind of one of those types of transcendent players. But if you're not, it's kind of a dangerous situation um, because often, more often than not, the players are not ready to make the impact um, that they've been projected to. So, you know, I, I was surprised he ended up at Duke. I'm not surprised that this this happened and will be interesting to see, uh, you know, where he does get drafted because he is – He's got great size, passability, um, but also be interesting to see how Duke does, given they've won uh, the NC State game and you know Wake Forest, which is one of the worst teams in the ACC. But they play they play uh, UVA this weekend, uh, so I think you know with that. Besides last year, where where Duke lost by two points, they're usually one of the few teams that that knows how to play UVA in terms of the ACC, and usually it's it's spread them out. Uh, you know, you have better athletes, stronger athletes, um, and you can kind of attack the pack line with shooting and athleticism. But I don't, I don't know if they have that that talent this year. So it'll be interesting to see how the game goes this weekend. But kind of looking to some of the games on Saturday, who do you have in in, in the Duke UVA matchup? Oh, uh, UVA. <laughs> um, Duke, um, I've, I've watched them a little bit this year, and uh, in particular the, the Louisville game, and I don't, I don't see them having, you know, the firepower, uh, you know, sort of what you mentioned earlier, on being able to attack that pack line properly. And I do think that UVA, um, it, despite despite the ACC not being great, there's the UVA is still a pretty solid team, and I. I I, I see them taking care of business with Duke. All right. Uh, I've got a few other few other games of interest. One is where only one team is ranked and uh, not even a top 10 team at that, but you have Kentucky at Tennessee. Um, this time it's, it's Tennessee that has two freshmen that right now could potentially go, go top 10 with Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. And you have Kentucky, who's a team of freshmen that, for the most part, haven't performed up to expectations and have struggled shooting the ball. But uh, do you think Kentucky could pull pull the upset in, in Knoxville this weekend? 
Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, Kentucky <laughs> has not. Kentucky has been bad, and I've I've I um, have watched a, a a decent amount of Kentucky games because I probably get a little bit of pleasure of seeing them lose. Um, however, um, they are just such a disjointed team. Um, they expect a lot out of Olivier Saar. He has not delivered. Arguably, their best player has been Davion Mintz, who is who was the sixth man on Creighton last year. So, and and BJ Boston has you know played okay, but gosh, the rest of the team has just been bad. Um, Devin Askew has. Uh, he gets so much playing time on this team and frankly has been pretty ineffective. And I just don't, I just don't think there's a chance that they, that they beat Tennessee. I think Tennessee is too good, too good uh, in that one. Yeah. And that, you know, that'll be, it'll be a fun one to watch just from a, you know, an athletic perspective. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Kentucky, well, Tennessee, you know, I, I, I was, you know, they were coming in pretty, pretty highly touted. I had some higher expectations for them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see now that they've kind of unleashed the freshmen a little bit more, kind of how they, how they, uh, how they trend. But, um, you know, for them, I think Springer really needs to be the answer because uh, Viscovi, even though he's shooting 39%, I think, you know, he's, he's not, not the answer. And, uh, John Fulkerson uh, has been struggling as well through uh, SEC play, but they do have a lot of talent. So it'll be interesting to see if they pull it together. Uh, and then last game for you, you have number 13, West Virginia at number 12, Texas. And we didn't really touch on the big big 12 at all, but you know Kansas has been down. Uh, so you don't really have outside of Baylor uh, those top, top 10 teams, but at the same time, you still – have a lot of top 25 teams you can kind of really go go down the list and outside of uh Kansas State Iowa and and TCU you have a ton of talent um and I think when when looking at Texas and West West Virginia West Virginia is coming off the two overtime loss to Oklahoma um and and Texas uh, you know they did beat West Virginia by two points earlier so I'm curious, uh, who, who do you have in this one, West Virginia or the Longhorns? Uh, I think I'm going to go with the Longhorns. I'm, I, I think Shaka Smart has extended his stay in Texas uh, with the season that they're having. Um, you know, I think guys like uh, I think guys like uh, Matt Coleman, uh, Craig Brown, et cetera, are are, uh, are are solid guys, and I, I'm I'm on for the Longhorns on this one, but. You know, it, it's hard to it's hard to go against uh, Huggy Bear Ball, but I'll uh, I'll take the Longhorns. All right, so you got the you got the Longhorns, the Vols, and UVA. So uh, you know, not not a great weekend, but I think a pretty pretty good weekend in terms of, of basketball matchups coming up this week. As long as uh, as long as those games play, and we'll see what happens with the Louisville North Carolina game, and see if that one. That one uh, actually makes it to tip. But speaking of Louisville, kind of tease the NBA to Louisville work that, that you've been doing. So kind of switching gears to the NBA. Curious, uh, you know, about the NBA expansion. 
Louisville's chances and some of the, you know, some of the things you've been able to do with the organization? Yeah, um, it's 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 an exciting time for uh, for the city of Louisville because, um, you know, with the news from uh, Commissioner Adam Silver that they are considering NBA expansion, which is the first. Um, it's it's exciting time around here because uh, the city of Louisville um, has had an has a. Uh, history with the Kentucky Colonels from the uh, 60s and 70s and the Colonels were actually the the uh, the winningest franchise in the ABA and they were left out of the ABA and NBA merger so uh, the city has has been craving um, uh, professional basketball for quite some time and they've came close to landing an NBA team in subsequent years um, they nearly landed the Charlotte Hornets when they were considering moving in the 2000s. They nearly landed the Houston Rockets when they were considering moving also in the 2000s. So Louisville has been in the mix for a team for quite some time. But, um, you know, with this expansion news, um, the NBA to Lou board has, uh, you know, become uh, more uh, cognizant and uh, taking taking action and trying to lure a team to the city, to the city of Louisville. Um, um, right now, obviously the NBA would probably expand by two, by two teams. Um, ideally one in the East, one in the West um, doesn't necessarily have to be that way, because they could probably switch some of the teams from existing teams from the East to the West. But um, right now, Seattle is the front runner to get a team. If they're expand by two, they're they're obviously the shoe in. Um, they've got multiple investor groups that are uh, leading the charge. They're uh, refurbishing Key Arena where the Supersonics did play, so they they have uh, clearly established themselves as the number one option. Uh, for the second option, you've got Las Vegas, you've got Kansas City, and you've got Louisville that are all probably fighting for that spot. Um, all of them have uh, NBA-ready arenas. Um, Kansas City has a uh, an NBA history as well, uh, professional basketball history as well. And uh, Las Vegas has been landing professional sports teams, uh, several of them the last couple of years, and with success with the Raiders and with uh, the NHL franchise. So uh, Louisville has some stiff competition to be in that second spot, but uh, they do have some positives uh, working in their favor to uh, potentially land that. So the uh, NBA, Lou to group, uh, NBA to Lou movement, um, grassroots movement started about 10 years ago and um, they end, end eventually ended up uh, pairing with an investor, uh, investor group from the city of Louisville that uses their moniker NBA to Lou. So they have been trying to lure a team and it's, it's exciting times around here. So I've been involved personally from the marketing perspective of making sure that um, you know we're branding ourselves uh, out there so if you check out our our instagram handle uh and our twitter handles it's just uh, at nba to lou you'll be able to uh you'll be able to check out uh the content that we put out it basically explaining you know um why we why we need a team explaining our history of the kentucky colonels uh also tying back our local ties to the NBA, such as players who went to the University of Louisville, players who went to the University of Kentucky, uh, players that are actually from the city of Louisville, such as 
um, Allen Houston, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Keelan Martin, um, uh, to name just to name a few. So it's been um, a very rewarding experience to be a part of that and uh, look forward to hopefully us landing a team in the future. When, when, when do you think, you know, the, the NBA will start to really push forward um, in terms of expansion? We're thinking that it'll probably, they'll probably add two more teams in the next two to three years. It's uh, still kind of a moving target, but um, you know, I think, cities potential cities are beginning to line themselves up right now and getting their investors together together drawing they're drumming up the community interest they are you know getting their civic involvement um uh, aligned as well so you've you've probably seen um some mentions from some of these cities mayors uh you know um basically promoting themselves to the NBA saying that they're ready. So, you know, that's what teams are doing right now. I'm sorry, potential cities are doing right now. What, uh, you know, if you mentioned, you mentioned the cities, what would you put kind of the odds uh, outside of Seattle between Louisville, Kansas city, uh, Vegas, et cetera. Uh, if I'm, if I'm ranking it honestly right now, it's you know Seattle is is number one. I'd probably put Vegas at number two, and I'd probably and I would put Louisville at three and Kansas City at four. Uh, the reason why I put Vegas at number two is because they uh, money is not an issue with generally with that city, and they've shown some recent success. Um, they've also. Uh, hosted the All-Star Game, and they had the NBA, uh, they had the, the Summer League there as well. So they've got a good footprint there. Now, the detractors for Las Vegas is that um, they've got, the NBA likes, they do like, um, they love the idea of having Las Vegas for a gambling perspective. They used to shy away from that, so they, they do love that aspect. However, I would say that adding two Big, two of the big four teams really soon, and then adding an NBA team is is kind of a lot for one city. So I think that's I think that the NBA is going to really take a look at that uh, to see if they could potentially handle that. Um, moving on to Louisville, um, I think the big positive there is that they they will have one of the nicer arenas in the NBA if they were to be selected as an NBA city the, with the KFC Yum Center, which the University of Louisville currently occupies. Um, also Louisville, it doesn't have a big four, uh, professional franchise team. Uh, they have, you know, minor league baseball, they've got, um, minor league soccer here and they've got, um, and they've had other minor league teams in the past, but frankly, the NBA loves having markets that where they can be the only game in town they can be the only professional um sport so louisville is an ideal market for that uh if you had to compare louisville to a current nba city i would probably compare it to oklahoma city oklahoma city um they're similar in size they have a rabid fan base for their their games to the point where i think that some of the other cities almost look at oklahoma city and wonder like well how come your fans are just are that crazy during games uh, I think Louisville would have a similar effect. I think it wouldn't just be the city of Louisville's team; it would be the state's team. 
you know, I, you wouldn't just be a, 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 I don't think you'd just be having fans from the city of Louisville. You'd have fans from Lexington, from Bowling Green to the suburbs of Cincinnati. Uh, we're a natural rival with the uh, Indiana Pacers. Uh, we were their rival in the ABA. Um, so I think those are all strong positives. And there's such a rabid fan base for basketball here, obviously, with Kentucky and Louisville. And um, it, it's a perfect fit in many ways. Uh, you take a look right. at Kansas well, City. Yeah. Yeah. If you take a look at Kansas City, um, they've um, they've got a professional basketball history. They, you know, they've had sustained success with obviously with the Chiefs, who you know, uh, you know, had recent success with the Super Bowl win, and then they had, and Super Bowl appearance, and then also the, the Royals. So, uh, you know, they've got also a a good arena setup as well. So, they're they're also a strong contender too. And anything with Tampa Bay where the Raptors are currently playing uh, the, the COVID season? Yeah, I, I, I don't consider Tampa Bay at this point to be a, a major contender, mainly because of the, or the Orlando Magic footprint uh, being, with, uh, being uh, close to Tampa. So I think that they're a little too close in that sense. However, the population there is so large could support an NBA team, but... I think that you'd have to really, I think the I think the Magic would have to sign on, and really endorse a team in Tampa for that to actually work. So I don't I don't see them being in that uh, top three or four uh, options. Yeah, that could be a little a little difficult, but I think you know pretty interesting, especially when it comes to expansion. Um, obviously, there there the need is there from a financial standpoint, which is why it's been been brought up with the teams just losing so much money, um, lack of fans, et cetera. But I think we'll definitely be interested to see, see how this plays out. Um, and we'll, we'll continue to, to monitor the NBA to Lou situation. Uh, but we'll definitely follow them on Twitter and we'll check out the games this weekend to see how, how the picks do. But overall it was good to catch up and get your thoughts on college hoops and you know with the with the season turning into march pretty quickly hopefully have you on some more as we enter uh what should be a very interesting march madness this year thanks for having me sean i uh, i appreciate it. it's always a pleasure to come on the pod and uh and chop it up with some hoops Sounds good. Um, and I will not wish your Louisville Cardinals good luck this weekend, but we'll see. We'll see how the game goes in the Dean Dome if it if it does actually come to fruition. Um, but with that, thanks for coming on. And that wraps up another edition of the Sean Mo Hoops podcast.